0: So, um, if you put up our objectives, we're really on that third objective. We're talking about cultivating a dominion for deliverance. We want to get to the point in the area of our deliverance that we actually, the things that have been dominating us, we now dominate them. That it's no longer just an up and down struggle, not just an in and out thing, not... um, a hokey pokey salvation—you put your left foot in and put your left foot out, right? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. People, calm down. Calm down. Pass is okay. You don't get here without being focused. Um, and so you, um, we want you to have the dominion of the thing that the Lord has for you, um, as well. Amen. And so that's one of the challenges that we're really wanting to um, challenge you with today, all right, is that God has these things for us, and we want to do that. Now, um, just in terms of review, we talked about biblical meditation. Why don't you put up my review points there on biblical meditation, right? <sighs> biblical meditation must be distinguished for from the, the counterfeit that the world gives you. So the purpose of me saying that, that's why I I don't just say believers should meditate. I say believers should practice biblical meditation. I didn't tell you to clear your mind and chant Om, and I didn't say none of that. Okay? I didn't say that. So don't hear what I didn't say. All right? Biblical meditation says that we don't ever just clear our mind of nothing we don't do that. Old saints used to say it this way, and I don't mind. Have you heard that before? Yeah, somebody else that heard that, and I don't mind is a devil's workshop. So we don't just clear our mind. We fill our mind with the Word of God because we believe that the Word of God contains the thought of God, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. That, the Greek word for that is logos, where we get the word logic. The Word of God is God's logic. And so I want his thoughts, his thought patterns to overwhelm and interrupt my faulty thinking And so if my thinking is faulty, the way that I do that is I interrupt my faulty thought patterns by speaking his word. And listen, when my mind is going out of control, I can't fight thought with thought. I have to open my mouth and say words. Satan attacked Jesus at the thought level Jesus opened his mouth and said get thee behind me it is written and even though he was the word made flesh he still went to the word of God scripture and quoted it all right so the 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 anchoring part a biblical meditation is the word of God because if you if you take the word out you c- you can meditate but you're not biblically meditating. All right? So that's the first part, is the word of God. That's the verbalization, but then I also need to not just verbalize it, I need to visualize it. I need to see me doing whatever it says I should be doing, saying whatever I says I should be saying, being whatever it says I should be being. I need to see me doing it. I need to visualize it. And then the third element we said there is glorification, and that, that just means we praise God like it's already done. All right? So, Even things that haven't manifested, we call them and see them as if they've already done it. My healing is already there. The relationships are already restored. My needs are already met. All of those things. Because we see all three of these in the life of the father of faith, Abraham, right? He said, God, what shall you give me seeing? That was the picture he had. I go childless. And Abraham had imagined his funeral. Yeah, he did. And he imagined him dying without any kids and all of the wealth God gave him going to his servant. He had pictured it. Why? Because, see, those pictures are very powerful, aren't they? You go through an illness, the devil will try to paint a picture of your funeral. Yes, he will. Can we talk about it? He'll try to to show you this is how it's going to be. They're going to cry. You're going to have a casket. It's going to be a big gray casket. He tries to create pictures. All right? And so Abraham had a picture of being childless. God gave him a different picture. Go out, look at the stars. And then God spoke the word to him. So shall your seed be. Right? So that's the verbalization. That's the visualization. And then in the book of Romans, it says that Abraham praised God. He gave glory to God, believing that what God had promised he was able also to perform so he praised God before it manifested as if it was already done okay so when you're in your challenge that's 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 the that's the fight of faith that's the act as if that's the believing that i already received and praising like it was already done that's the tension that we have to live in living in the now without but believing as if it's already done all right does that make sense and this is how this is how we work that thing all right um and then you go as far as your faith can take you without without breaking some laws right you believing for the house, you know. You go to the you go to the grocery store, get the magazine. Get the magazine. It's okay. If they say it's an open house, go visit. You're not breaking in. It's an open house. Go as far as your faith can take you. All right. Um. You know, I was believing for a certain amount of money, so I would write a check. Now I've never sent this check to nobody. And then in, in the memo, I would put the scripture that I was standing on because I got the word of God, right? I just used it as a visualization aid. Yeah, yeah. And then I praise God like it's already done. I didn't send it to nobody because that thing would have bounced so hard. But it was just for me. It wasn't for them. It was for me. Right, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It wasn't for them. Right. Sometimes... Um <laughs> like if you people people get mad because you can visualize who you think you are. You just you're trying to be something. It's not for you. I am not talking to you. No wonder you confuse. You're reading somebody else's mail. It had nothing to do with you. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to be people. Um, that that are okay with practicing this process. In, in the early days, Pastor preaching, she was in the house. Then she would say, "Do you see them drums in the corner?" I'm like, "No, I don't see drums in the corner. I do not see drums." And she kept saying, talking to me about some drums. I didn't see them. Then after a while, I saw them. Oh, those are <laughs> drums you were talking about. But she had to see him before I could see him. Then I got the process down. Then I said, I want a bass player, so I'm going to buy a bass, and I'm going to just set it there and look at it. Well, praise God. We got the bass player now, but I saw the, I had the bass up there, and I would look at it and say, one day, somebody will come know how to work that thing. In Jesus' name. Okay? And so, but that process... That's just one That was just in my space. You understand what I'm saying? What about in your space? What thing are you using to visualize? All right. So our women of destiny did a vision party, vision board party. Listen, it's not enough to have the pictures if you don't have the promises from the word of God. You got to have them both. Don't just put pictures up there. Okay, you, you gotta put some promise next to the picture. Right? Because cause God isn't obligated to your picture, but he is obligated to his promise. But the picture helps you. The picture don't help God. The picture isn't for God's benefit. The picture's for your benefit. All right. Because sometimes I'm so into my problem that I can't see myself beyond it. I remember when I was a kid, man, I I went to what was then um, GMI, um, which is now Kettering University. And I met a professor and um, he gave me his business card and I took his business card. With his name and title on it. And I whited out his name and typed in my name on the business card. Yeah, 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 yes, I did. I still got that business card, by the way, but but now I got my own. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that helped me. I remember seeing my dad go to work with his briefcase. And then I remember dad's best friend who was a General Motors executive and i remember him having a briefcase and i remember him having a company car i remember him taking his coat off cuz he didn't want the back of his jacket be crinkly so he he took his coat off now see these are vivid images for me he would take he took his coat off and he would hang it on a little the little hook in the back cuz he didn't want to go into the office with a crinkly jacket okay i was Riding back on a plane from GM in Korea, and I had a postcard and I wrote his name on it. I said, I remember seeing you do this kind of stuff and how it impacted me then. I said, one day that's gonna be me. Well, that one day is today. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I just want you to know that this that works. It'll keep you motivated the right way to do what God's called you to do. All right? So I got a key statement here that I want you to understand. Biblical meditation is a God-ordained, mind-altering substance. There are mind-altering substances that are not God-ordained. God-ordained. I know everybody want to get their CBP oils or whatever to... Am I saying it right? Is that the right acronyms? Uh, everybody want now. Listen, listen, listen. I know people got health and medical issues, but listen, the business world isn't decided yet on whether or not, even though it's legal, they want you on their team. I didn't had people who tried to show me the prescription, and we still said nope. Okay, I mean, that's just. Now, when you got your own business, you roll it the way you want to roll it. I'm just saying, okay. There are other mind, there are mind altering substances that are out there that are not God ordained. But this will change you in the right way. I got pictures um, of business books where I took the f- i put my head on their body. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, this was the stuff that motivated me. However you get motivated, motivate you. Don't hate the player, hate the game. I'm just saying you got to find how to keep you going in the right direction. Kids do that automatically. They play house. They play cops and robbers. They play. But then when people get grown, then they they lose their ability to imagine when God said you got to come into the kingdom like a child. You can't lose that. God gave you that. I'm just trying to be realistic, pastor. No, 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 You're trying to get stuck in what you already got instead of moving towards what God has for you. So last week we ended up talking to you about the fact that. Um, you're predestinated to be conformed into the image of God's Son, that as he is, so are we in this world, that you can't live above the picture that you hold of yourself, within yourself, right? And then we we walked you through a meditation example, and then we walked you through it to the point where we ask you to picture yourself. Not as the person who needed Jesus, but Jesus being the the one that ministers to another person. That's I, I don't know. That sounds scary. That sounds like you you pushing the edge. No, I'm trying to get you to walk in what God predestined. He He predestined you to be conformed into the image, not of the woman, you know, with the issue of blood, not of the madman of Gadara, not of Jairus or of his daughter, or the crowd who couldn't get healed, you're not even predestined to be conformed into the image of one of Jesus' disciples. But you're predestined to be conformed into the image of his dear son, all right? Now, when you get that inner image right and can really walk with God and fellowship like Jesus, then certain things will just fall off you. So the question I have for you is, like the thing that you really struggle with, do you see, can you imagine Jesus struggling with that same thing? See, there it is. I can't even imagine Jesus struggling with that. Then I shouldn't be able to imagine me struggling with it because as he is, so am I in this world. Right? Now, see, that takes... But I'm going to have to alter my mind for me to get there. I'm going to have to change. <laughs> I'm going to have to really work on that thing. Because sometimes the circumstance in my situation seems so large to me. Now, my problem look easy from your seat, But you're not in the skin I'm in. So my problem seem big to me because I'm in it. Everybody on the sideline, just Monday morning quarterback, and they they don't feel the pressure of my pain. But when I'm in it, I feel that thing. All right. And so that's why we talk to you about coming out of the situation and seeing yourself seated above it in Christ. And then dropping back down into it as if Jesus Christ has stepped into your situation. And then in the name of Jesus, commanding things to move and to change. Does that make sense? All right. So then, you know, we've been talking to you about these two laws. We've been talking to you about the the a, a death cycle and a life cycle, right? The death cycle we call the law of sin and death. The life cycle we call the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So let's show, um, I think we got the death one first, What we, what we don't want to do, right? That starts with lust. Lust goes to sin, to death. Death brings with it a torment that causes fear, and that fear brings bondage, which then drives us into a cycle. This is the vicious cycle, right? We talked about this as the law of sin and death, all right? But then there's a virtuous cycle, too that there is the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that Jesus came as a savior of sin. We preach something that you believe. If you believe it, what we preach, then life comes to you. That life comes to you because God loves you. If you really begin to grow in the love, the love of God drives out fear. And then you have boldness to step into things that you might not otherwise be able to. In that boldness, you begin to walk in the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or deliverance. There is this virtuous cycle. If I don't stay over on the virtuous cycle, the vicious cycle will immediately take over because it ain't gone nowhere. And that's not good English. It's still there. Right. It's still there. It is still there with me. And so I have to, on purpose, step out of it over onto the other. Does that make sense? If I'm going to walk in the virtuous cycle, I'm going to have to do it on purpose. It's not going to happen by accident. Right? If you're going to change, you're not going to, you know, flop into it. You're not going to fall into it. You're going to have to move over on purpose. And so... The thing that I want to talk about is that there is between these two laws, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death, there's a third law, and we'll talk about that today. Romans 7, we'll read verses 18 through 23. We talked some about this in our Think Camp, so some of you may know where Pastor is going. Hallelujah. And it says, this is the Apostle Paul says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells for to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. Anybody can identify with with Paul here for the good that I will to do. I do not. But the evil I will not to do that I practice. Man, I can't seem to get out of my own way. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law, what law? The law of sin and death, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, that's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, the law of sin and death, warring against, here's that third law, the law of my mind. Oh, the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin and death, which is in my members. So between the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus is the law of my mind. Pastor, is that that consistent with Scripture? To be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded, is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. My mind determines which law I'm going to. It's the one in the middle. So the thing that moves me off the lower law to the higher law is the law of my mind. I'm going to have to work on how I think. That's why I said I wouldn't, I wouldn't be trying to save my marriage watching Jerry Springer. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't fill my mind up with things that go against the thing I'm wanting God to do for me. <laughs> Woo! Pastor, pastor, pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is that's a big one. I told people, you know, you know, some 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 of our you know Black History empowerment stuff. I don't watch because it start make me look at people crazy that I need to love. So I'm not gonna do that and fill my head up with stuff that make me mad at people who haven't done nothing to me. Does that make sense? So you got to be careful. You know, you got to be careful. Some things you can't watch. You can't fill your mind up with stuff that's taking you in a different direction. You know, you're struggling with a health issue watching Grey's Anatomy and seeing people die every hour, only hour, a series, Netflix and and chill, watching folk die hour after hour, trying to get your health fixed. Stop it. That makes sense. You got you gotta control your mind. You gotta control what you got coming in. Yeah. Because you be there identifying it. (laughs) I tell a story. I had a good friend of mine and I was I was with him. I was with him at work. And uh, at that time, his wife would stay at home and she was watching Oprah. And depending on what she saw that day was how good the reception was going to be when he got home. <laughs> so if Oprah was having somebody on, well, it was, she was mad at him when he hit the door. He hadn't even done nothing. I'm with him at work. I know he ain't jacking up at work. I'm with him. And it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with what she was seeing on the TV when he wasn't there. Tell me, you, you got to watch that thing, man. It, it'll, it'll mess with you. All right? So how I deal with my mind according to the law of how it's divinely designed to function determines the extent of my success and what God has called me to do in life. See, God has a picture within himself of you. It is the picture through blood-colored glasses of you being conformed into the image of his dear son, the Im- who is the image of God, and the brightness of his glory. God will begin to show you snapshots of his picture of you and ask you to believe it, receive it, and walk in it. That's the hope of your, his calling. But now there's a war going on. There are two pictures fighting for preeminence inside of me, one from the word, the other one from the world. All right. And the one that is winning begins to shape and change my pattern of behaviors. Right? So when Adam sinned, the image of success that he was inbred with became one of failure. But in Jesus Christ, the last Adam, we can get back God's original image, which is us being conformed into the image of his dear son. The next passage of scriptures I have for you deal with what I call holiness, hygiene, and health. True New Testament holiness is not from the outside, but from the inside. Let's look at Mark chapter 7. Are you getting something out of this? Mark chapter 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we'll skip down to verses 14 through 23. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, Jesus, having come from Jerusalem. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they, can't, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they receive and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Now, there ain't nothing wrong with you washing your hands. You cooking my food, washing them. In Jesus name. I'm mad at you. Wash it, Okay. But that is hygiene and health. That's not holiness. All right. You can still be holy and have bad hygiene. All right. I'm going to show you that from scripture. You don't have to believe me. I'm going to show it to you. Let's get down to verse 14. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand, there is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding? Also, do you not perceive that Whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. He said, listen, 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 you know, um, how you choose to eat, you know, there was a thing in the Old Testament called clean and unclean foods. And listen, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that says, all right, if you eat this kind of food, you're therefore unclean. Jesus didn't, so how can I? Now, if you eat too much of something God calls unclean, you'll get to heaven a lot sooner than you need to. You can call it the other white meat if you want to. You eat too much pork, you're going to get to heaven before your time. Right? You will affect situations and circumstances in your own physical body. All right. But this thing is not something that spiritually defiles you and makes you unclean before God. He says what comes from the outside, you just going to eat it and it's going to eliminate and go through your system. Right. Now, look at verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man for from within. Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts oh, so this New Testament holiness is an inside job. I got to deal with my thought life if I'm going to be right with God now. Out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, An evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. So long before it gets to the point where other people see it, God sees it, and he considers you already dirty. I got to deal with my dirty thoughts. If I can fix it at the thought level then it won't get into my actions i got to deal with evil thoughts as evil and have a way to incarcerate them before i before i get into evil activity that'll get me incarcerated yeah see the, see the, the girl uh, that was put in jail because she her friend, her friend was standing at the edge of the bridge, thinking about jumping. But when the f- friend visualized it, she was like, I can't do it, I can't do it." While she couldn't do it, her friend, her quote unquote friend behind her visualized her going so 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 much that she pushed her off the bridge punctured along, broke some ribs. Crazy. If she had arrested that thought, she would have been arrested. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. You hear what I'm saying? So I got to be, I, I got to deal with thoughts. Because see, now, we thought holiness was you got to wear this certain color, you got too much makeup on, you dress too short. Now listen, Jesus didn't say none of that. He said the things that defile him is the evil stuff that's inside people's heart. You hating on people, you got all these evil thoughts. I, I, I hope something bad happened to him. <sighs> Pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> See, see, people thought evil, she don't deserve that man. I was in church all this time and how she just got saved and got a good man. That's what that's what he mean, evil eye. That's the evil eye. That's the evil eye. I just want people then, what's an evil eye? I just explained it to you. Remember when he had, we gave one parable today, one another parable, he gave everybody a penny to go out and work. Some worked 12 hours. Some only worked one or two hours. He gave the one that worked one hour the same penny. When he came to the one with 12, he's like, listen, I worked more hours than him. I should get more pay. He said, you agreed to me. And then he said, if your eye being evil, why do you judge me? Because my eye is good. The evil eye was the person who hated on somebody else for what they had because they thought they should have had more. See, that stuff is what Jesus says defiles you. We gotta be careful because sometimes we look at people and be hating on them for what they got, and we don't even know that we have defiled. Us. Heaven looks at us and says, uh, "Mmm." Now these at the thought level, while it's still a thought, nobody can see it. You can have covetousness inside of you, wishing you had what other people had. You could have thefts. And then he says, Foolishness. You know what? I got to leave my family because I need to discover myself. You big knucklehead. I'm going through a midlife crisis. Man, you 50, you don't have a six pack. You got a three liter (laughs) trying to wear skinny jeans, trying to get you a Corvette when you need a minivan. The Bible calls that foolishness and it says you should fix it while it's still a thought. Nobody even know how dirty you on the, are you on the inside because nobody can figure it out. He says it's coming out of your heart. Nobody know it yet. Fix it before we all know how bad you are. See, see how, like, how does, how does somebody do that? They've been meditating that stuff. You can't go someplace until your thought go there first. So you got to fix stuff at a thought level because if you let that thought stay long enough, you keep picturing it, you're going to eventually go do something with that thought. Either you're going to move the thought or the thought's going to move you. It's one or the other. Now, this kind of holiness, nobody can judge but God because man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So that's why we can't, Now, so you can look all good to me with your suit and your cologne on, you got your nice shoes on, you all coordinated. But I don't really know because I can't judge that. Until that thought translates into actions that I can now judge. But at the thought level, I can't even, I can't even see them. I don't even have the tools. That's why you, you got to be careful how you judge who who holy and who not, that's right? Because right. <laughs> right? he's saying there's a bunch of stuff happening inside of people. Right, right. So Jesus said to the Pharisees outside, "You signed up like they signed the gravestones. You know how they had a the big stones with the marble in them. Your name, born here." Died here, big dash in the middle. You shined up like, like that, that, that thing they try to sell you when they trying to get you all that grief and take all your money. He said, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Whew. So I got to be careful. Bishop Otis A. Floyd said, clean this house on the inside. On the inside, Lord. New Testament holiness is an inside job. I don't even want y'all to know all of the stuff that I've been dealing with on the inside, if the truth be told. But I want to fix it. Because if I let it stay, it's going to get on the outside, and then everybody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right? Better to, better to be quiet and nobody know how foolish you are than to open your mouth and remove all the doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if it's inside, I don't know yet, but when it come out, I will. All right, now let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. Now, this process does work in a negative, but I also want you to understand that the process can be positive, too. He was talking about defiling thought, but that's not the only thought that there is. Let's look at it. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Oh, So one of the things that I want to do with the word of God, part of the reason why I'm taking the time to meditate that is because I'm making deposits in my heart of good stuff. I'm making good deposits because I want good stuff to come out of me. So I'm going to put good stuff into me. The word treasure there in the Greek is the word thesaurus. A thesaurus is a treasury of words. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So this process doesn't have to be defiling. It can actually work to my good, but I'm going to have to work it though because the world's out there feeding me with a bunch of negative. So if I'm going to get me some good thoughts, it's not going to happen by accident. I'm going to have to fight to, to get that done. All right? Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I'm reading this out of the King James. And um, I'm going to deal with contrary images by fighting against them through this process and displacing them through biblical meditation. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly but mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds what strongholds casting down image and nations imaginations casting down bad pictures of me doing bad stuff in every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of god and incarcerating every thought before they incarcerate me right, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So I've got to deal with things at the thought level. Because if I don't grab, if I don't incarcerate those thoughts, those thoughts can get me incarcerated. (laughs) I was... Talking to a friend of mine, and uh, he was explaining um, about a time when he was having a difficult interaction with his boss, and um, he had watched the Mission Impossible. One of the what's the Tom Tom Cruise. And in this one movie, Tom Cruise throws a guy out the window. He, he was imagining him throwing his boss out a window. And the Lord said, bruh, 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 you better fix that thought. You're getting too excited about it before you act on it. Now, <laughs> that sounds funny, man, but you're supposed to fix it, see? See, now that's New Testament holiness. New Testament holiness is grabbing thoughts that are going on in your head and arresting them and getting them out before you do something crazy and hurt somebody. And we all be sitting on saying, I don't know how it happened. I don't know why he did what he did. I don't know. It just seemed like he just went off. And see, you got to watch them quiet ones. (laughs) Husbands, you better watch them quiet ones. Because she can be there, she can be there formulating a plan on the inside of her while you there doing your knuckleheaded stuff. And then one day that she's gonna give birth to that baby, and then next thing you know, you like Lord, what didn't happen to me? You gotta watch it. I'm just saying, I'm trying to help you. Pastor trying to help you. Okay, cuz because them thoughts that get in your head, and next thing you know, you done come up with a plan, you done figured it out, you done figured it out. You have figured how to I know how to get you done, I know how to work you. You think you got me uh uh-uh, uh listen, and then your mind go into do do do, and you got a whole you got a whole plan. <laughs> This is what I'm gonna do. This is how I'm gonna lay it out. You you done set it up. This is how I'm gonna get away with it, too. Boy, you be faking. This is how I can do it. I'm just I'm just saying, you gotta be careful. You got to be careful, all right. And see, God wants us to fix these things at the thought level, all right. I had to come down and start my prison ministry with you <laughs> I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to help somebody. I'm, I'm just trying I'm trying to help you. Pastor. I'm trying to help you. All right. Three key principles of Im, of, ima, of the imagination. Let's show this and we'll be done. All right, I'm trying to give you some humor, but I am trying to help you. okay? i'm I'm trying to give you some humor. But I am trying to help you, because if you're not, listen, this stuff messes people up. And then it changed their whole life. right? Because they haven't arrested a thought. And that's how that's how believers get demon oppressed. Because they let thoughts that go with Satan stay there so long that it begins to control their behavior. Yeah, it start it starts at the thought level. All right. It has always been number 1. It has always been the will of God that we attack sin at the imagination level before it formulates into action. God wants you to fix stuff right when you're imagining it. Don't don't be I don't know how we got here. We was you know next thing you know we we's in the bed. Stop it. Stop it. Your thought went there first. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, you do. You thought about it. Out of the heart perceived evil thoughts. Adulteries and fornications was on the list, wasn't it? I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. I, I know how it happened. You may not seem to, but I do. All right. Number two, just like we can conceive thoughts that take us toward that which is wrong, we can use the same imagination process to conceive things that are good. A good man out of the good deposit can bring forth good things. Stop letting the devil use the process that God gave you for the devil's benefit. Stop it. You don't have to but you're going to have to fight your thoughts, and you're going to have to make them mind. They're not going to mind on their own. You're going to have to make them mind. You're going to have to open your mouth with those thoughts and saying, no, I cast down that thought and replace it with a positive thought from the word of God that has the power to cast it down because the weapons that God give you are mighty and they can cast down imaginations and bring every thought captive. You can incarcerate bad thoughts before you get incarcerated in Jesus name. All right? Number 3, the challenge that we have is is that as adults we are more developed in using our imagination in the negative than in the positive. Kids are good at using their imagination in the positive, but somehow we get grown and we can only be realistic, which means having negative imaginations. We can be spooky and suspicious and all those kinds of things. And for some reason we can like remember somebody do you wrong. Your mind goes into like this is how I can do this and this and anybody else mind go like that. These are all the things I can do. I, w- I should have said this. Have had somebody tell you all, uh, and then you, you realize it later, they was coming for you? And then you think, I should have said this. I could have told them that. Oh, man. And then your mind goes through all these kinds of scenarios. Right? We do that for the negative, but on the positive, we like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Stop that. It's the same mind. Proverbs 14.22, I'm going to read it out of the King James Version. This is our last scripture, and then we'll close. Did you get something out of this? Proverbs 14.22 says, Do they not err, error, that devise evil? Oh, you come up with all of those thoughts and plans, but everything you're doing is error you off, all right? But part B of this says, but mercy and truth. God will give you mercy and show you the truth when you plot and plan to do good. The problem is people plot and plan evil and then they just hope something good happens, They plot and plan to do evil. People have already figured out how to get rid of the body bag. Ain't never done no crime, no time. But they figured out how to get get rid of the evidence on the evil stuff. But when it comes to doing something good, they just like, I just want y'all to pray with me as I try to sing the song. Stop that. Oh, that, oh, pastor. That's pastor's pet peeve. Do not come here saying, I just want y'all to pray with me as I try to. Listen, practice at home so you don't have to try. I ain't mad at nobody. But it just bugs me that, that people plot and plan to do evil, and then they don't put any thought or effort into doing good. That bothers me. Have a plan. Think about doing something good. Even in the parable that you heard today, the play of the talents, the person who hid their talent projected had a picture and an image of their master. so i can't I can't I can't do good, the kind of good God wants me to do. If I don't use the, the 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 capability that he's put inside of my mind to plan to do good. And when I do, he promises he's going to show me some mercy and give me the truth I need to get it done. Come on, let's stand.